ott van még Nikolic, Nígó felé, Nígó helyzetben, gól! Gól! Nígó kiegyenlít! Bravo Loik, bravo Lolikám, Lajos, szép gól volt! Sallai, azon mellett még el tudjuk hozni. Sőt, Szoboszlai kap labdát. Szoboszlai előtte Nikolic bent középült könyves. Szoboszlai, könyves szép helyet csinált neki. Szoboszlai lő, gól! Gól! Hát ez ott van! Milyen hosszabbítás! Semmilyen, semmilyen! Le kell fújni, elvére kell menni, nem is kell menni sehova, itthon kell maradni! Maradj otthon a Puskás stadionban jövőre! Szoboszlai góljával kettő! Hello and welcome to the Hungarian Football Podcast. I am your host, Tomás Mortzma. And on the show today, we have a bit of a special guest, um, a massive football brain, to be honest. Um, concentrates on Portuguese football, but he's a very worldly man and knows um, a bit about everything in world football, I'm sure. Um, it's uh, someone we've had on the show before. It's Tiago Esteval. Tiago, how's it going, mate? Hello. I miss being here. Hello. Hello <laughs> to everyone. It was How a lovely you? chat last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very good, actually. Thank you. Is it, yeah, I actually can't chat. remember. Can't remember what we talked about last time. I think it was. I think it was before a World Cup qualifier. Um, oh, we had that World Cup qualifier where you went. You where you came to Lisbon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and pro- it was a, probably around that time. Yeah, it was an awful, awful day. That to be honest. Um, well, not it was a it was a nice enough day, but the the game was was shocking from a Hungarian point of view. Um, we think we got beat four um, nil, and really someone bad. and yeah. someone nicked your identity as well. Oh <laughs> my god, that was I haven't thought about that in years now. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's true. Someone went in with my press pass, with like pretending they were me or something, right? Yeah, it's because you're Just, too famous, mate. That's the problem. Yeah, sure. Um, it was definitely you. not randomness. It was definitely something that my ego appreciates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, Portugal, um, what are your kind of expectations going into the Euros? I mean, your squad on paper looks pretty good, um, but obviously it's a difficult group. Kind of what are you guys, What? What? I guess what, what's the country expecting and what are, what are you kind of predicting from this group stage? Uh, it's... It's a tough one because it's um, it's a national team that looks really good on paper and that there's a, a clear fluctuation between what we look like on paper and what we actually do on the pitch. And um, although we won last year, it was in, like there's a certain amount of like expectation and confidence going into the tournament. I think most people realize that like the team doesn't play as well as it should to a certain level, you know. Mm-hmm. And most people also understand that we managed to have the last two World Cup champions in our group somehow. I don't even know how this <laughs> happened. Uh, it's been like almost two years since the groups came out, and I'm still trying to process it. I uh, don't know how it's possible. And uh, so, yeah, so so there's there's some degree of expectation, right? But there's I, I think people love football here, and people like definitely think about football heavily for a long time for. Uh, large parts of the day. So people know that there's a difference between the quality of players that we have and just how well we play, right? And 
last year was we won and we're we're still delighted about that but we're aware that um we didn't win the most aesthetically pleasing fashion and of course we don't care about that right but um given the players we have uh playing a more aesthetically pleasing style will probably benefit us in the future uh we're unsure if that's gonna happen if that's gonna happen this summer already but yeah yeah, because when you t- look at your team on paper, it is it is quite scary, to be honest. I mean, I know your defence is kind of ageing, but, I mean, Font's had a, a pretty decent season at Lille. Um, I, I don't know how well Pepe's done myself, but I remember in that Champions League game, he was an absolute monster, and he's, he's obviously still got amazing performances in him. You look at the midfield, even Renato Sanchez is revitalised himself back at Lille again. Uh, yeah, then, just in time, just in time for the next Euros. What a boy! What a <laughs> that, boy. That's literally what he, his life just is. Every four yeah. years or five <laughs> years, in this case, he's just going to pop up. Yeah, you'll see him people, at people Euro 2024. He <laughs> people thought he was gone, but he's not. He's here. Yeah, he's so good. I guess we talk. Might as well talk about a little bit about Renato Sanchez. Like he, he has. He, he, when I've seen him for Lille, he does look like he is very revitalised. Maybe not to the same level and hype he was when he was a bit younger, but he he does. What what's kind of happened to him? Why is why? Yeah, he, he's that? legitimately good, but he's also. I think at the time, right, he was eighteen. He had a massive season for Benfica, and he broke through. He had a really good Euros. His transfer to Bayern, I actually think, happened before the Euros, because um, I think they were concerned that his value would go up even more. And um, but I, I think it was a lot, right? I think there was clearly an over expectation. Like, and I don't want to say he was overrated, because that's a word that's thrown around so easy now. But there, there, he was definitely flawed, right? Heavily flawed, and he just had a really good season. He was being slightly overhyped, and definitely like Bayern paid a lot for him. There's a lot of expectation that comes with that, and then he kind of didn't get game time. Then he had a lot of injuries. He none the the loan moves didn't succeed and he just needed a, a more stable place to be in and a place where he could play regularly where the expectation isn't as high and that's what happened with, at Lille and like he's still been unfortunate with injuries at Lille uh, over the last two years just those niggling like injuries every couple of weeks that take him out of a game or two uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but he's been really good once he's played, and they they've found a role that suits him. And um, yeah, I I think he's done super well. I'm glad that he's back on on the national team fault because he's when you look at all the midfielders, there's definitely like a lot of options, but he's perhaps the most unique one. Uh, no one does what he does, uh, or no one can do what he can do in terms of the the more number eight types in terms of like ball carrying and just dribbling and in terms of his athleticism covering ground that's all stuff that the other guys don't do so even if he's not a starter there will be a time and a place for him to play in Mm -hmm. and what do you kind of expect to be that starting midfield um because obviously he's really talented yeah even like elsewhere you know it's a a tough team to predict i'd say Mm. uh Firstly, I, th- I think we're definitely playing a back four, and more often than not, we're probably we're probably going to end up fluctuating between a 
semi four four two type situation and a four two three one depending on the the more ro- rotate the, the piece that rotates the most is the second attacker that plays with Ronaldo. And if it's Andre Silva it will be closer to a four four two. And if it's Felix, one of them will drop deeper, it'll be closer to a four two three one. And then like even in that four four two from wide the lightly starters are going to be Bernardo Silva on the right and Bruno Fernandes on the left. So even from the from the left, there's a, a player that's not a winger. Bruno will come inside. If it's a 4-4-2 type situation, Ronaldo will move wide left a lot of the time. So that, that part is semi-set with the only piece being whether it's Andre Silva, Diogo Jota, or Felix that start uh, in the second uh, forward spot. Um, then in midfield, it's 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 hard because we we called up we we have our final twenty six out and we called up a lot of defensive midfielders, a lot of uh, six ish types that all offer different things. Um, and I honestly don't know which one of them will start. I think it is likely that it's the it's likely that the number eight for a lot of the games will be Mutinho still. Um, but the six that starts with him is probably going to be Ruben Neves, but there will be game, like, uh, the coach has started Ruben Neves and William Carvalho together, with William slightly further forward, despite mostly playing as a six at club level. Um, Palinha, which is the sporting six that, um, that's only recently been called up to the national team, He's had a really, really good season and what he offers in terms of like ball winning and physicality, no one else offers, but he's perhaps the most like defensive-oriented uh, midfielder. So I'd like to see whether we'll play him uh, at all, but he'll, he'll likely come into the fold more for the France and Germany games in the in the group stage. But yeah, I'm expecting probably Ruben Neves and João Moutinho for... Um, for the game against against Hungary, but you know it can change until then. Yeah, and how how do you kind of play? Like, um, it was a question that was poorly. <laughs> well, I think that is the case that we've a lot of national teams these days. Yeah, like, that, that's that's true. I'm being I'm being mean. Um, like, but... and and it was kind of the case that the same way you kind of played five years ago, I guess. Like, you call, you kind of look like a ramshackle team who have a lot of great players and kind of were just thrown together. But, I mean, it kind of worked in the end last time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it obviously work worked because it, 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 uh, it, it did work in the end. Uh, but then two years later in the World Cup, it definitely didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. And two years later in the World Cup, you have a group stage where we actually did kind of okay against Spain, but we were terrible against Morocco. Like, we were completely dominated uh, by a team that's in theory weaker because we're just we're not a team that's capable enough on the ball given the players that we have um and that's yeah of, there's sorry, yeah, that's, sorry that's kind of one of the reasons why i'm kind of I don't, I don't know if people have seen on twitter but i kind of said that like i think hungary will actually win this game uh, or at least get a draw i really do think that and i think that that's i think one you'll of the give reasons. us a lot of trouble I think that's yeah, I think guaranteed. I look at our team on paper. Everyone will just be like, "Yeah, Hungary are weak. They're going to get battered in this group." But I think, like you, you go to that Morocco example, and Hungary are a team, to be honest. So that's why I think that like 
they will cause a little bit of trouble to this Portuguese side. But then I look at your results on paper, like especially recently against big teams, and, and you, you are in good form. Yeah, it's so I, I think we we definitely benefit from games against big teams, right? We, we're a team that's really quite good on the counter, and that benefits from from those attacking transitions and from having space in behind to attack into. And we're a team that doesn't tend to do as well, nowhere near as well, when we have to be the dominant force, when we have to be the team that's in organized attack for 90 minutes and that needs to unlock a defense, right? And we've struggled against Luxembourg recently, yeah. right? Um, Evely. Uh, so if you put together a well-organized defense in front of us, um, we might struggle. Now, that isn't to say that's guaranteed to happen because given the quality of our players, right, There's mm-hmm. you're, you're maximizing your chances of having someone come up with something brilliant to unlock a defense, right? And once you, you have really good, um, you have some pretty good passers, you have some guys that are really good at shooting from range, you have some box presence, you have all of that, but the team is just not used to that type of game. And on top of that, when... When those games arise and Ronaldo is in the team, the team ends up just swinging in a million crosses and <laughs> uh, being extremely predictable. So that's not ideal. On top of that, you have the other side of the pitch, which is when we need to be the dominant team and when we need to be an organized attack and when we need to be um, spending pretty much an entire game in the opposition half, we're going to have to defend eye, right? And our center backs are not equipped to defend transition moments uh, because they are 52 years old on average. Uh, they're not, but they're, <laughs> they're but they're not young, right? So you have you you have Pepe who who's actually had a pretty re- a pretty good season. Like he said, still had a really good season, and he's still really surprisingly quick for his age and athletic. And Porto do play with eye line and all of that, but you know he's. 37 i think and um he's had a couple of injuries so you don't even know if he's a thousand percent going to start and if he is you don't know if he's going to play all the group stage games right back to back uh you have fonte who he has had a really solid season with lil he is a starter there but lil themselves they are not um traditional a traditional champion in the sense that like Lil prefer way more to play on the counter. Lil don't score a lot of goals. They're a team that's defense first, and they don't play it with a particularly high line, and that benefits Fonte. And then you have Ruben Diaz, who's definitely stabilized that city way better than he was doing here. But he's he's a guy that benefits from playing in. I th- I still think he's a guy that benefits from playing in a lower block, or at least looks better doing it. You know, so you have these guys that are more comfortable in a lower defensive line, and are more comfortable in games where Portugal don't need to have the ball necessarily. Uh, you know, And also, none of them are particularly great in possession. Um, they just kind of... They don't offer much in terms of ball progression. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say it's tough for, for on both sides of the ball, you know, those types of games. Now, we've had some success during qualifiers uh, against lower block teams but it's just honestly most of the time it's when Ronaldo's not in uh, because the team becomes less predictable uh, and when he is it, it to a certain extent becomes tougher 
uh, obviously in bigger games, uh, often he shows up and, and is the difference maker, you know? Uh, yeah. But but tactically, it can be a bit of a question mark for 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 these types of uh, of matchups. Um, so I yeah, that's, it's, a, it's that's kind of a similar situation that he's kind of come into, I guess, a bit of Juventus. Like when they kind of hired him to to win them in the Champions League, and then he kind of disrupted what they wanted to be about, especially under Sarri. And then you see him not yeah. play on on Sunday, and then they win four nil. Um, quite convincingly, I know they weren't playing a great team, but like, yeah, I'd, there's I'd, a question I'd from a guy called Shivering Bacon. I don't really know how I think Bacon that's a great shivers. name. It I is a great name, but I, I don't understand how it shivers. Like, if oh, you put it's it in the like freezer, when does you're it come cook- out shivering? Like when you're, uh, I guess, I guess that's more splattering and less shivering. You're right. I was thinking about when you're <laughs> cooking bacon and it sizzles. I guess oh, it's yeah, sizzling. True. True. Yeah. It's kind of like it has to be like the opposite if you're kind of like frying it on a on an ice sheet or something. I don't think that would work. I don't know. I think um, I think he's got to follow up with us on that one. But um, he he asked, has he basically become an inconvenience? I mean, like you say, it it's such a difficult one to answer because yeah, it's it, tough. In one respect, he's he's like scoring your winning winning goals, and then on other respects, he, he kind of doesn't fit into the system. And, uh, the the complex part is that you can't like. That's something that's tough to communicate to a player, right? Especially to a player like him. That mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, no, you'll start against Germany and France. But against Hungary, we're better off with Jota and Andres Silva or Jota and Felix or Felix and Andres Silva. It doesn't matter. Um, because that's just, you know, you, you can't do that. Or maybe you can, but you, it will never happen. Right, uh, that's an offense that, that the entire country would take offense to that. Well, not the entire country, <laughs> yeah. but you know what well, I mean. Like, the, well, especially if you ended up drawing or losing the game. Exactly, but. exactly. Right, so it, it's a tough situation for sure. But I fully believe that, particularly in games like these where Portugal needs to be dominant on the ball, he makes the team more predictable. He can also solve the game, but he makes the team way more predictable. The team tends to play for him. He tends to waste uh, offensive plays with insistent shots. He tends to be the target for way too many crosses when the team could be uh, variating their their attacking approach. So it's it's a tough one. But on that note, we have other. I'd say we have other weapons to be good offensively that we didn't have the last Euros, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's where. That's both a positive and a concern, which is that, like, our team has gotten better, right? Um, you're saying that our team has gotten scarier, and I, I think so as well, right? And there's a a lot more, like, Bernardo Silva wasn't at the last Euros. He was injured. Uh, Bruno Fernandes wasn't really a thing yet. You know, you have Andre Silva in the form of his life, João Felix for the first time, Jota, and in the fullbacks, you see a huge difference, right? Cancelo is... Is that a massive season with City? You have Guerrero, who was really good in the last Euros, to be fair, but he's been really good with Dortmund, and there's still Nuno Mendes on the bench. So all of these options that are attacking threats should, in theory, push Portugal to be better on the ball, or should, in theory, push Portugal to be a more dominant attacking force. But if we don't manage to do this, like, if we don't manage to play better in possession with this set of players, right? 
then there's there's an even bigger problem at end, right? If that makes sense, right? So it's yeah. a bit of a a two way situation where we should naturally improve, but also if we don't, it's even even more dramatic, right? Where it's just how can you not, right? How can you like you can't have Bruno Fernandez, Bernardo, like some of the best creators in world football, and be like, yeah, just swing in a bunch of crosses, right? Yeah, I but I don't I think guess, that's the way to go. I guess you guys, if you guys are used to playing like a counter-attacking style, and and that's kind of the the approach you'll you'll take against France, Germany, and then if you got into the last sixteen, last eight, and stuff, I guess how much preparation time do you give to to playing on the ball? For yeah, that exactly. First game? But like, that's that's the other side is that like that kind of approach actually tends to work quite well in. Um, tournaments like these right yeah because that's what that's what Ivan Militar asked on on Twitter as well he said is it going to be more counter-attack or more positional play ideas um if positional play does he does he think it will backfire because obviously that hasn't been a strategy previously yeah I don't don't think it'll even happen I don't think there will be an attempt because I think it might backfire in the first game I fully believe that we're not winning the first game against Hungary like we might right because we have better players and the odds are in our favor because of that but the matchup is not particularly favorable from a team perspective, and I it wouldn't shock me if we didn't win the first game. I think just also like, like, like people it wouldn't shock me if we won points in the following two. You know, yeah. Sorry. I think also sorry. I think also people we need to remember as well that um, like this is a home game for Hungary. Like Hungary are going to have 100 percent of the capacity filled out. Um, so I, I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot about that. I think I think everyone has really like everyone kind of just thinks it's a Euros and it's like a neutral venue, but it's kind of not. And that's why I think like Hungary, we've got even um, a better chance like I'm with like massive support behind them. And um, I mean, it was only one nil last time we played you um, in Hungary and Hungary's team was a lot worse back then. I mean, I don't think Portugal's team was as good as it is now, but like, it's still obviously going to be a big factor in it. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm not going to lie, I didn't even consider that because I completely forgot. And if I forgot, many people will have too. I'd like to hope. Um, but yeah, I guess you can tell me a bit about the Hungary team because I'm uh, I'm familiar with certain players and, and all that, but I'm not familiar with how your team is um, playing now. I'm assuming that I'm assuming that uh, Klein Eisler made a return in uh, Renato Sanchez-esque fashion. <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah, very sim- but in a very similar vein, actually. Like, um, yeah. We went to, I know he went to Astana at some point, and I was like, okay, well, he's... Yeah, that's the end of his career. <laughs> and so now he's back again, apparently. He, he also revives himself for the Euros. Yeah, so... He um yeah he went to Astana he, he dotted around um, a few clubs he went to Ferencváros for a bit back in Hungary now he's at Osijek who are actually a Hungarian owned team in Croatia um but yeah that. he's he's a, he's got a bit of a renaissance uh, and last couple of games he had it um well last three games he he played for Hungary he's been absolutely awesome um and yeah he'll start in the midfield three with Nodge who's at Bristol City now um. He, he was amazing at the last Euros. Um, I don't think actually Kleinheiser or Nodge played against Portugal in the last Euros because Hungary were already through, bizarrely Hungary were already through going into that yeah. last game. So they rested a couple of players. Um, it's it's going to be a five three two. Hungary kind of 
sit re reasonably deep. Um, they're really, really good in transition. Um, the the all midfield. Of the, all of these words terrify me. <laughs> I know that's why I kind of think that Hungary have got such a good chance because, like, looking at on paper, you wouldn't think Hungary are a very technical side, especially in midfield. Like, Nodge plays in for Bristol City and in, in the Championship and doesn't even he's not even a first teamer really. Um, Klein Heisler it plays in Croatia and then it's going to be Soboslai hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, or Daniel Gosdog. I think that's a big that's going to be a big. Um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about about Gazdag because uh, American people seem to be really excited for his presence with uh, the Philadelphia Union, and I'm, uh, I literally never watched him, and I didn't, I actually didn't even heard, yeah, I, I hadn't even heard of him before. I don't think before he moved to the, to the U.S. So I'm kind of excited to figure out what what's going to come out of there because he, he's obviously replacing a big. Uh, a big sale from, yeah. from the union this summer so yeah yeah i was on a i was on a philadelphia union podcast the other week and he was like the guy never heard of him never obviously watched honvey before probably never heard of even honvey before um, understandably <laughs> exactly hey yeah. no, no no exactly um and i was i was kind of saying like he, he was a player who came through uh, as a youngster and he looked like he was going to be the next big thing pretty much um and just I think because he's a centre midfielder, he wasn't kind of getting the numbers. It's kind of sometimes hard to stand out in Hungary. Like, it's hard to kind of be known elsewhere. If you're playing for an average team, you're a technically good player, but you're not getting numbers. So, like, how... Like, the, the, the scouting system's only so good. Like, right. like it's kind of hard to... Um, yeah, it's it, well, just hard to stand out, really. But I guess uh, watchers of the Hungarian league always really liked him. And then this season, he added the numbers to his his, his technical quality. And I am not surprised that he's gone to somewhere like Philadelphia Union, who, by all accounts, from what I've heard, are a really well-run football club and have have a German actually in charge as the technical director. Um, and I think he'll do really well there. And I think they are kind of um, right to be excited about him. Um, like, super technical on the ball. But, like, he's never played outside of Hungary. So, obviously, compared to Soboslai, who is a gem, um, he is a step down. However, like, Gosdog at under-21 level was, was quality. He's just not really had enough games at international level. I think that's just because Hungary are actually quite strong at centre centre midfield. Like Joel Colmar, who who's missing the tournament through injuries, he's a, he's a quality footballer. He used to be at Leipzig, and it's just for what for for whatever reason, just like just couldn't make it as like a small fish in a big pond. Whereas like he's gone to Slovakia to be the big fish in in a small pond and just yeah. absolutely thriving. And when he's played for Hungary, he's thrived as well. Um, so yeah, like I say, that the, the midfield three, whoever it is. Is, is so technically able and when a press comes in they are always able to play their way out of it like when they played Poland recently in March um, and Poland's team on paper is pretty decent obviously Lewandowski and Zielinski and, and and a lot of like top division players in, in uh, Europe's best leagues and Hungary and they drew 3-3 in the end but they were by far the better team were 2-0 up and cruising before like two um, catastrophic errors and like in transition they were just quality like soaked up all the pressure that Poland were putting on them and then just broke with 
with gusto and, and quality and like if you look on paper it doesn't even look like it's a team that's set up to counter attack like we've got Roland Shalai, who is quick, and then we've got Adam Zola, is the other one, and he's about he's as not as... quick. Yeah, yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's he's not quick. That is putting. Yeah, it I guess he offers he offers more of a focal point, right? More Ex- of a target exactly. man type. Yeah, situation. yeah, you play that ball into him, and he's maybe he might link up play every time, but he's going to win a foul every time. He's one of them kind of players who go down easily and just. He, so smart that's why he's playing in the Bundesliga because he's so smart like his technical ability is not great but yeah that's why and that's why I just think that Hungary's kind of perfectly suited for this game a game against France I think they'll struggle against because like the quality of France is is up another level and obviously they've won a World Cup and they kind of do play as a a team and then Germany I think will unlock Hungary because that's kind of the way they play yeah that's what they do but uh, yeah, I just, I just feel this matchup works. Yeah, I I feel it kind of works too, right? I feel like it works as well as it can for Hungary, right? Given the difference in team quality, yeah. I'm not sure it could work any better, right? The odds are still in our favor, but you could very much get get points out of out of this game. Something yeah. that really interests me in this group is um, no matter if it's Portugal or if it's Hungary. Um, it's that I think it's going to be tough to to have the third place from this group be one of the mm-hmm. best third third place teams, right? Um, given the presence of Germany and France, and that's that's interesting. Like you could, this could end up being a group with just two teams going through. Yeah, like I mean, the game against Hungary is a, is a must win for obviously every team that plays. Like if Portugal do kind of get a point or losing that first game it yeah I, I agree that you could definitely end up beating the, the next two but like the, the, I guess the the confidence shot that will have on your players if you do end up losing and then you kind of draw the next one and you're almost out yeah yeah for sure I think I guess it depends on what happens in the other groups but more likely than not yeah um, I mean I think I think it was last time as well that we were we were the last group to play and this is the same time this time so at least like you kind of go into that last true true last true. round kind of knowing what we need to do i mean that helped yeah, us it's helped very, you guys, it's very it helped annoying. you guys last time <laughs> it's very annoying for teams to have to uh wait to just third place teams to have to stay in uh wherever they're staying right without being able to go yeah. home without knowing whether they've made it through or not it's very frustrating it's not fair like I don't know if you remember, True. like last time we played, like the last five minutes, we were just literally like Portugal weren't closing Hungary down, and Hungary were just passing around at the back. Yeah, it was... Gabor Kiri did like a stupid pass, like taking the piss. It's like, oh my god! I mean, That's... I mean, it's it's the wise thing to do, but like, it's it's, it's, it's definitely it's questionable system. ethically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I, the, another interesting point about the the Hungary team, right, is that. You've had a massive upgrade at, at goalkeeper since the last year. Mm. And I in think. defense. And in defense with Willy Orban, right? Um, yeah, and, and, and I don't know how much you know of Attila Zolai, but he is he's one to really watch. He's, the, he's the, Fenerbahce, the Fenerbahce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, really young and really, really good in like basically everything that he does. And like Hungary didn't have that last time. We had Roland Juhasz and Adam Long and Richard Guzmic and like... Yeah, kind of just at the time they were all kind of standard Hungarian play, Hungarian league players, and now 
Yeah, that level's gone up. And that's why, like, Hungary, when they do sit deep, can absorb that pressure a lot better than they used to be able to as well. Uh, the that player that you had that was playing in Ukraine and now moved to China, is he not coming? The oh, left-back, center-back? Yeah, yeah. Card- yeah. I mean, yeah, he, that's an interesting one, actually, with Kardar, because, like, he plays in China, and there's a reason for him playing in China, because he is decent. Um, it's just... Yeah, um, kind of just fallen out of the fold, to be honest. Like, we have Paulo Vinicius, who um, is Brazilian by birth, uh, is playing Apoel, and like, a few players just kind of fall out of the reckoning and never make their way back. I think it almost just kind of helps to be based in Hungary or in Slovakia or Croatia for, like, for watching Yeah, they're watching the, um, the players, I guess, keeping an eye on them. I guess if so, you're out in China, it's tough to keep an eye so, on them, I guess. So I guess one one major benefit that Portugal could have of facing Hungary in the first match day, right, is that I full-on don't believe Shobozlai will start. I don't think they, I don't think you'd risk him in the first game. But yeah, maybe, and even maybe if I'm he, being too hopeful. And even if he does start, like, what kind of Shobozlai are you going to get? Like, we've got a couple of friendlies uh, next week, Cyprus and, and, Ice, and Ireland, um, but, like, kind of what like what? What do you expect from someone who's been out for, since December? I guess. Yeah, I guess my my worry is that like even a poor Shobozlai is a guy that is perfectly aware of where to stand without yeah. the ball, and there's a guy that if there's a free kick in and around yeah. our box, is someone that I'd be very scared of. So I don't like. I don't actually think it'll be that different than a fully fit Sobozlai? I guess you kind of, you might lose on like him pulling a run from deep in possession and kind of mm. bring your entire team forward. But beyond that, I, I don't know. I, I obviously haven't seen him for months because no one has, but <laughs> I'm just assuming that, you know, even if he's not super confident in his body again, I'm assuming that he'll still be someone that can just keep your possession ticking. And if there's a free kick, he can terrify us. Yeah, and I guess that's like a, a, a thing for Rossi to think about, really. Like, even if he isn't 100% fit, it's probably worth the risk just to play him. Like, and I think especially in that first game, because if Hungary go out and lose 3-0 in the first game, like, it could get bad <laughs> for the rest of the group. Like, that, this is, like, Hungary's biggest opportunity, really, especially at home. So, yeah, like, it's funny it's enough, it's also risking. potentially our biggest opportunity. Well, it's everyone's, right? Is it everyone's, Just because yeah. the... The quality of the group, but it all of a sudden, I think if it's both, it can be really good to play Hungary first, right? Because if we win the first game, or yeah. I don't want to say we're cruising, but all of a sudden, like, it gives us such a different confidence, and like, we're so much more equipped to to go up against France and Germany, especially in a game where we can draw. Um, you yeah. know, if yeah, we manage, you, to fi- yeah, if we manage to finish the group on five points, we're going to be fine. Um, yeah. And I think that's totally feasible, but we need to figure out a way to to beat Hungary. Do I think that's possible? Yeah, for sure. But I think it will be. I think it's way more likely that it ends up being like one 0 Portugal with a very scrappy goal from a set piece or something, uh, or like a shot from range or something like that, than just a, a beat down. Uh, and if it is the latter, it's because we managed to score early somehow, and you guys had to kind of come out of your shell. But, yeah, that is always going to be a problem. 
Like, yeah, if, if Hungary do have to chase the game, there's no real goals in the team. Like our third top scorer in the in the um, in the squad is Willie Orban, who's a centre half who's only been playing for the country for like three years. So that is a problem. Zsindul Szalai, és vissza lehet tenni Klein Heslenek, és újra Szalainak, és ott a gól a helyzet, és a gól, és a gól! Szalai vezet Magyarország! 550 nap után be lehet azt piszkálni, pöckölni, tuckolni! Egy ide! És micsoda támadás volt! I guess like stay on Portugal and, and focus on you guys. Yeah, sorry, um, I, I completely I, derailed this with my curiosity. No, no, no. Really enjoyable. Um but like how do you guys kind of expect I know you kind of said you maybe maybe a little bit more optimistic about the Germany and France games, but um yeah, I, I guess like how optimistic are you? I don't know. I think a lot inches on this first game. Yeah. Um and I guess it it depends whether it's me talking or whether it's like what i think the people are thinking right and um yeah because it's a little bit more negative for me <laughs> a little bit more positive <laughs> from the people but but not too positive like people are smart people understand that like last time in the group stage we had a tough time last time in the group stage we drew against hungary and last time in the group stage the other we had a tough time and the other teams weren't france and germany it was iceland and who was austria. it austria austria yeah um So I think people are, you know, carefully optimistic. Uh, it, it all hinges on the first game. It's, I, I'm, I think I do feel a certain energy and a certain like confidence going up against France and all that, uh, especially with like our, the history of us beating them in the final and just how we match up. Um, but if we don't win the first game, then it's just such added pressure, such added pressure. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a, a an unpredictable one, I think. The shivering bacon asked another good question. Um, I still will never probably get over that name, to be fair. But um, he he asked. I know you're kind of concerned with the first game, but a kind of the people in the media. And I know you say like a lot of people are really really smart about football in Portugal, but are other people concerned about the first game? Uh, I think in general the approach is like yeah being like slightly careful but also like mm. it's a must win but also like don't underestimate whoever is in front of you but I'm not gonna lie I don't <laughs> I don't think we've had that much like conversation around the euros yet just because yeah. the season has been so packed well that's it like exhausted. I was speaking to to um, someone from like a big uh, well one of the editors from one of the big uk papers the other day and he he like i was i was talking to him about a pitch like i was trying to send to him and he was like we've barely thought about it <laughs> we've barely thought about the euros because like it's been a crazy season and obviously the champions leagues finals this saturday and oh thank and, god it's all and, ending and it's, I, it's, I just it's kind of all off. ending but then it's like what like two less than two weeks before the euros starts it's For sure, that's crazy season. That's a, I mean, it's also like point. two seasons rolled into one because, like, we didn't end last season until like August. Yeah, that, it's been. That, that's why I keep saying I'm. I feel like I'm. I obviously love football and all that. It's quite literally my life and my 
so what sustains me but also like where well, i'm exhausted it's it's <laughs> it's been so tough it's been so long and that's another good point actually the point that you make about the finals and, and stuff like most leagues have now ended last weekend right uh maybe there's a couple of cups to play i don't depending on the country but most cups are done too but if you look at the champions league and europa league finals we have players in that in those mm. situations right we have Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Cancelo, Ruben Diaz, yeah. all of them are coming into uh, into the national team fold late uh, because of that. Uh, I don't know if it's too late, but you know, it's an extra game. But regardless of that, of that Champions League final, it's been a long season for the vast majority of Portugal national team players, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're very, very tired. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what the situation is with the Hungarian players, but like players like you mentioned, um, Adam Nogi. Is it Nogi? Nogi? We actually had this conversation last I, time. I know I we have, but I have. I have <laughs> yeah. do, if I know, you think but... I learned anything, you're <laughs> clearly mistaken. I'm just, I'm just amazed that it came up again. To be fair, but uh... oh yeah, it all comes back to him. No, but players like him that aren't necessarily starters at their club are. Yeah. A lot fresher than guys that have had three thousand minutes played in the last season or so, and um, yeah, so um, we'll see about that. Yeah, like to to fill you in on kind of what the Hungary Hungarian situation is like. Hungarian most of Hungary squad actually met met up last Monday, so they're already together. Um, obviously, not all the the foreign players, but I mean they've even been able to get a few foreign players into that squad as well, like. Um, a couple didn't play the last game of the season in, in the Bundesliga um, and a couple didn't play in like Cyprus and, and, and elsewhere because they kind of got dispensation to, to go and play, train with the Hungary squad. So it's another reason why Hungarian fans can be a little bit optimistic because like international football, that is it's not played like in the, in the same way. Like the, the, the systems that uh, international teams... It's way in. worse. It's all yeah. way worse, but also way better. All, all rolled into one. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like the drama is amazing, but the quality is definitely not amazing. However, like Hungarian, the Hungarian team actually play like a like a club team. They train with each other a lot more than most national teams. So it's it's one of the you reasons. Have a, you have we, a lot of Hungary based. Yeah. Guys, so right? what we do as well, like in Hungary, usually before like an international break, and it happened like the last time in March. Um, they cancelled the, the the games before that week, um, so you, they have like two weeks to train together, and and it's the reason really, why really good. It's the reason why Hungary like play above, like sh- are, are doing much better than they should do. Like you look at Hungary Hungary squad on paper, as I say all the time, like it's not great, but like like no one would have expected, like from the outside, no one would have expected Hungary to to play against Poland in the way they did, and they completely dominated the game. And it was just annoying to draw, but like, yeah, it's 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 amazing that you can kind of have like players like Cancelo and Diaz in the Champions League final, but then that's such a that's such a worrying one in other respects. Like they could both get yeah, it's, injured. It's like both Fernandez, good and bad. For sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, we also have just. I don't think it will be a massive point, but I do think that. Um, Rui Patricio's form is completely different from the last year's negatively, uh, I'd say. Like he's he's not had a particularly good season and he's even had like a pretty bad injury. 
Um, Is there no kind point. of like, and I know you probably wouldn't go and swap your keeper before the Euros, but like Lopez has had an awesome season, hasn't he? He's always good. He's always really, yeah, really I, good. I, I'm, a, I'm a goalkeeper myself, so I, I love it when I see a goalkeeper I like. like I love Kalen Evas, like despite his many flaws. I, I like him a lot, yeah. He's, he's just really fun to watch and like his but I love watching Lopez as well like his agility and like his his technique is just amazing I think he's always suffered a little bit from basically having never played in Portugal right and he, yeah, he yeah. never played here and he was a bit like Willie Orban but the it's 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 a bit like Willie Orban but also the opposite because here we we produce so many good players that when whenever someone sneaks in from the outside, like it takes a while for that player to bleed in. It takes a while for that, like for the people to like, yeah, kind of get attached. And then it takes a while for that player to, I don't know, just to settle in every way. And I think that like Rafael Guerrero is a very good exception, but he came in a position of need at a time of need. Now everyone loves him, and he's been consistent with the national team for ages. Anthony Lopez, he was always unlucky to be at the same time as Rui Patricio. Like mm. Rui Patricio is a lot more well-known here, a lot more... He's, for the most part, seen as the better player because he's... Well, people know him better. Um, but I don't even think that's true. I think Anthony has probably been a superior keeper for most of his career. That said, there's, like, a lot of other, fa- other fa- factors at play, right? Last year, Rui Patricio was key to the national team win... Um, on top of that, you have kind of the communication aspect and all of that, and the fact that the players are used to each other. I think Rubens is, is a, quite a strong communicator in the box. I don't know how strong Anthony Lopez is with that. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think they'd ever, they'd ever swap now. Um, but it's, it's a really good, like, reassuring option to be honest. Like, if anything happens, I know that there's no drop off in quality at all between first and second keeper. Yeah, yeah, and I guess like that situation where you say like about Lopez not growing up in or not playing games in in Portugal, like I, that kind of the situation that we've seen a little bit with like Tomori not being not making the England yeah. squad today, and like Owen Hargreaves when he used to play for England, like people I remember I was growing up at the time, people used to slay Owen Hargreaves saying he shouldn't be in the squad despite winning. Funny, a funny enough, born in the same country as. Fikayo tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, yeah, they love her. Well, they actually don't love her. <laughs> they <laughs> they hate English. the Canadian-born international. <laughs> they do, don't they? Um, yeah, like Canada are producing some players at the moment. Jonathan David and um, Alfonso uh, Davies. Unbelievable that, that tomorrow played uh, a little bit in one match against Kosovo. Now he can't play for Canada. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's weird that kind of rule, though, isn't it? Like, it seems to like differ from case to case. Like Loic Nago, who plays, for, who plays for Hungary, he played for the French under twenty team with Griezmann um, at a World Cup, under twenty World Cup. But obviously, like UEFA kind of ruled that he can play for Hungary. Is I don't really understand it, but UEFA move in mysterious ways a little bit, like God in many ways. Um, what other questions have we got? We got one from Michael B. Um, this is a good one actually. What one player in the starting eleven will could possibly be picked who would get Tiago's blood boiling? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's 
I think it's more like player combinations, you know? Because um, yeah. I, I actually talked about this the other day when the, our team came out, which is like, it's the least controversial na- controversial national team of all time, I think. <laughs> like, you'd struggle to be like, this guy doesn't deserve to be here, right? Because it's 26 players. So it made it really easy to, pa- to, to pick. Um, I think out of the 26, like, William Carvalho had, like, by far the worst season wasn't a regular at all for Betis, but like y- you you understand that if I don't know if and I also think that we have way, uh, like other defensive midfielders, so I wouldn't mind him being off. But I also understand that like if the coach wants a backup type player with um, that he knows that he's experienced that that's that was a a Euro winner last time out, like you can't really argue against it. I don't think so. I. In terms of the team that was picked to go to the tournament, I have no, no, nothing to complain about. But in terms of the starting lineup, I don't know. I think it's just the midfield combinations, right? I think if uh, I'm worried that we'll start like two defensive midfielders, um, even I'm worried that we'll start Ruben Neves and William Carvalho, because I think that's redundant. I think. Even uh, William Carvalho does play does play eight a little bit for the national team occasionally, but I do think it's redundant to have both of them in, especially against Hungary. I'm worried that we'll start Danilo Pereira and the and William Carvalho in midfield, or any combination that includes two defensive midfield types, um, or just two of them, and or or the, the defensive midfielder not not being Ruben Neves or Polina. That would upset me, but it's mostly about those midfield combinations because, like, I don't want to go into the Hungary game with um, two guys that don't add too much uh, in terms of final third or opposition half creation, at least, you know. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens, and I guess it's also about just changes during the game, you know. Um, it's important to have like if. It's fine that a game isn't working out as planned, but like there needs to be like a certain proactiveness to change things off the bench that sometimes doesn't really exist. So we'll we'll see. But I don't. I'm not particularly upset with like any individual player. It's more about just like how they mesh together. You know. I remember that being the uh, a conversation that we had last time when we were actually at the game that. The, the two centre midfielders were, were a bit of a problem because it, I don't even remember, it was Andre Gomez and William Carvalho, oh, the two centre midfielders. And... Yeah, it would definitely get me pretty upset <laughs> yeah. if Andre Gomez was in the team now, but, you know, never been a fan particularly. And he's he's not on, but he was he was injured for a while and he's he wasn't even a, an option, really. It was um, interesting yeah. when he first moved to Everton, he was pretty good. He was pretty okay. I, I think he's. A player that is aesthetically pleasing to watch, I think. Is yeah, yeah. That's what he actually offers is a bit more questionable, but I, he's a guy that is aesthetically pleasing to watch for yeah, sure. Silky smooth, clean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's. I think. Yeah, I think we're basically out of questions. Um, I I'm apologize to Andreas Byrne and Akenda Tomrat. Uh, and Griezmann Chief as well, because I've asked you questions without um, actually um, annotating or whatever the word is. Um, so apologies for that. Mug your boy asked, um, 
how surprised is he that Hungary have overlooked Alan Balotelli? But um, that would say <laughs> it's a question he asks every week. Um, we love it anyway, Kevin. Though, thanks for that. Um, but I guess we might as well just ask um, before we finish. Um, how do you kind of ex- what what results do you expect? Like first game. France game, Germany game, and then kind of how far do you expect to go if you do make it through the group? I think I'm expecting five points, scraping scraping against you guys like one nil and then drawing twice. That's what I'm expecting. Like then, uh, one nil, 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 nil. And then uh, yeah, and then and then I guess and then just and then just seeing how it goes. I, then it, I guess it depends on whether. Then if we get matched up against big teams, we're fine. If we get matched up against, like, a surprise package, like a turkey or whatever, we're screwed. <laughs> we're you, such a broken you, country. <laughs> who do you kind of fear? Like, what, what, is there any team that you would, like, say... Uh, I mean, which, there's obviously two, really. A, ours crosses with the Spain one, right? Our group yeah, crosses I think be, with the Spain because one? Because of the three, like, potential third place, like, it kind of crosses with a few... I mean, because I don't really expect Hungary to get through the group. I haven't really looked into it in that much detail. But there is a chance that we could both get England. I think if England win the group and we finish second, um, we could play England in the last 16, which isn't easy. But like for England, like for example, England, like would you expect? I mean, you you guys have had some great games against England down the years. Like I I how, I, would... I want to face England really bad. I think yeah. it's the team that I want to face the most. But that's just because. I don't think that ever, ever since I'm, I don't think Portugal has played England ever since I've made a lot of English friends. So um, <laughs> I need that occasion in my life, you know, um, even, but I'll, I'll, it will also be the game I'd be more upset to lose. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I'm scared, but I want it. I, I definitely want that game. I don't know what, what we need to do to face England, but I want that. That's the I feel like your team is set up to do well against them because their midfield and defence is pretty shaky. Like, going forward, they are... Uh, well, I mean, they're, 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 they're they, arguably... They're arguably they, simply the should have, they simply should have called up better players. You know? Well, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a, a strategy one should employ. <laughs> they have got Gareth Southgate as manager, so you can maybe forgive him a little bit. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> he did call up... He did end up calling up uh, Alexander-Arnold, so... Not always. Not always. I can't believe that that was even a debate, to be honest. But it's another conversation, I guess. Like he's the best right back in the world. Sure, I mean, I'm a Man United fan, and I hate Liverpool, but like he's the best right back in the world, isn't he? Yeah, I think it honestly doesn't matter if he gets beaten on the dribble once or twice, if no. given that on, what he offers on the other side. What did he score? What did he get? Like twenty-five assists or whatever. Like, yeah, it's completely okay. unmatchable what he does in possession. And he's just like, well, but he's not that great defense. Who cares, dude? I know. Like, if you're concerned about the defensive ability of your right backs, you do this, which is you take Trent Alexander-Arnold and then you take one Bissaka because they're exact yeah. opposites of each other. And then you choose depending on matchup. That's it. That's all you do. That Yeah, and I don't think Ingham really fought that through. Like, they, I mean, they are stacked for right backs, to be fair. Like... Trippier, Reese James, I think is really, really good as well. Like TAA, and then, and then, yeah, surely if you want, I don't know, you'd like twenty minutes to go against the France or whatever, and you two nil yeah. up, like bring on one Bissaka. Thousand percent, thousand percent. Like it doesn't matter if he, 
Like, obviously, he shouldn't start for England, but he should always be in the squad. It's that type yeah, of player yeah. that just makes sense. It's makes like, sense. It's like if you play an FM or whatever, that's you, you try and cover as many bases as you want for like di- different strategies. Like, especially with 26 players, like it's tough, yeah, not to. Yeah, I guess it's just like who you leave out in that squad, but <laughs> yeah, we, we went on a tangent about England. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, Tiago, um, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, yeah, no, no pleasure problem. talking as always. Best of luck for the Euros, and to you too, sir. Um, I, hope, I hope you beat both France and Germany for what it's worth. Yeah, I think I think someone was saying the other day it's uh 800 to one that Hungary win all three games in the group. Or something like that. Um, wow, that's um, that's something. So okay, so quick question before we wrap up, because I'm legitimately curious and I don't know. Uh, do you are you playing at home the other two games? So the Hung- uh, Portugal games at home, the France games at home, and then the Germany games actually in Germany. Okay, so yeah. okay, I might take those odds. Those odds are something, at least for they- the first two that you play at home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Germany are in bad form at the moment, to be honest. Like, they lost to North Macedonia. I mean, I know they've kind of called up Muller and, well, Hummels, Hummels isn't that good anymore. Like, I watched a lot of Dortmund and I really don't think he's great. Yeah, well, you don't have Goran Pandev, so I'm not sure. <laughs> you can... <laughs> that is true. That is true. Absolute legend. All right, um, yeah, Tiago, thanks a lot, mate. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> Stay safe and uh, keep listening to the podcast. <laughs>